0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Created for Connection, a podcast that explores the way we become isolated from one another, but how God moves us toward connection with Him and with each other. In today's episode, we continue our conversation with Dr. Shannon Rakes and Enneagram coach Stacy Joyner. We begin by talking about inner healing and what to expect when we listen to God about our identity. We're also diving deeper into the Enneagram and learning how to use it as a tool to uncover the motives and fears that drive us. To everyone listening, we're glad you're here. Welcome back to Creative for Connection. I'm your host, Paul McMullen, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Shelby. Hey, Kevin. Hey Paul, what's going on, man? Glad to be back yeah good to good to be back uh we're here for part two uh of our conversation we started last week so i'm i'm really excited about this
1: yeah me too i think it's going to be a great second part to um to this conversation that we've been having with uh stacy and shannon uh who are joining us again today so glad they're here
0: hi Uh, stacy hi
1: shannon
2: hi hey glad to be back thanks for having us
1: yeah we're glad you guys are here so so Paul I noticed something you're when you speak Uh uh-huh don't sound like you did last week what's up with that
0: oh I know I had I had the deep bass going last week I was really proud of that I kind of wish I could sound like that all the time
1: you wanted to sound like that
0: yeah, it's like the difference between Thor and Chris Pratt in Infinity War. So right, right now I'm Chris Pratt, which is my normal voice, but I want, my, I want my normal voice to sound like this. Like Thor? Yeah, like Thor. You want
1: to have an accent?
0: I do want to have an accent. I am not gutsy enough to try it right now as we record <laughs> maybe, maybe season three. You'll get accent, Paul
1: you know what i think i think that people listen more to people with accents
0: oh totally that's why we actually got listeners from australia is because (laughs) our voices are actually like southern voices are attractive to people in australia but we find people from australia very interesting
1: well i i can tell you i could listen to somebody speak in a british accent all day
0: all day yeah i I love it Maybe we
1: should do a podcast where we only speak in British accents. I wonder oh. how much listenership that would increase.
0: It would be huge. It would be so good. It was so wonderful. In fact, um, Shannon and Stacy, if you have an accent, go ahead and use it. Um, that would be really helpful today.
3: Absolutely. Good day, mate. <laughs> good day,
1: mate. Would you like a spot of tea?
3: How are you, blokes? <laughs> Am I pulling it off? <laughs>
0: That's really good. That's really good. Keep it up. Um, you can even, you can change it out if you need to. Uh, so, Paul,
1: wait, just one more thing about this, this accent or this uh, deep voice thing. Oh, okay. I didn't think you sounded like Thor. I just want to go on the record for that. Just, you, well, I
0: didn't have an not, accent, but it was, I, it was deep though. It was pretty deep.
1: I think there was something, there was a message you were believing that was not true about that.
0: i i don't know what you're talking about um my voice was extremely deep last week and it was very impressive i think people were you know really liked it
1: okay well we'll see maybe we could put a a listener poll out for everyone to say you know paul week one or paul week two which one do you vote for
0: okay yeah i'm feeling a little sensitive about that right now (laughs) you just feel like you're trying to tie that into something we're going to be talking about, but you really just uh, kind of
1: sounded sickly, I think. I just but... sounded like
0: I was sick. That's right. Yeah, I was like stuffed up and sick. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't anything impressive. Okay. No, definitely there not. But
2: Paul, you can have your own opinion and don't let Kevin steamroll you.
1: Yes. <laughs> I,
0: yes. I'm getting sucked into his opinion because
2: nine.
1: I'm nine. Nine <laughs> strikes again.
0: <laughs> okay. Before we get into Enneagram, um, we you know we wanted to have a a second round of this conversation because there's just so much that was left unsaid at the end of uh, of this first one where we touched on Enneagram, we touched on some other subjects, and and really we started talking about sanctification, like what does it look like for God, uh, God's Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives to conform us into the image of Jesus. I really thought that was an interesting. Uh, route that our conversation took. And so, but there was just so much more that we didn't get to.
1: Yeah, I'm really here so that you guys can all figure me out and tell me why I am the way I am. Mm. That's why I'm here. But I do think those other things that you just said are great too. So
0: we should get you a few teen magazines so you can really explore (laughs) your personality. (laughs) Look, I I did. I will.
1: I am happy to say that I, I qualify for House Dumbledore. So there you oh. go. I even have the mug to prove it.
0: That's not a house. House Dumbledore.
1: <laughs> oh, Gryffindor. I did I say Dumbledore? What the heck? I meant Gryffindor. Come on, people. You, you knew what you're not I a, a
3: well. true fan.
0: No. <laughs> you might as well have, have mixed uh, a Star Wars and a Lord of the Rings reference. <laughs> so bad. Oh, I wish I could change
1: my voice right now. <laughs>
0: Okay, so we want to begin today um, with uh, kind of exploring what, is it, what does it look like for God to start healing some of those uh, inner places within us? Um, and I, the way I said it was kind of funny there, but we, we we're going to talk about inner healing. And um, Shannon, we wanted you to explain a little bit more what we're talking about when we reference that phrase.
3: No problem. I was channeling my inner Chris Hemsworth earlier, Paul, like you were too. Uh,
0: yes, Chris, that's his name.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yes, thanks for having us back. I think, you know, we had such a great discussion last time. We wanted to dive a little deeper into a few of the things we were talking about regarding the Enneagram and inner healing. And inner healing can be a concept that sounds a little new agey to some. Stacy and I actually met doing a, an inner healing Bible study. And for me, that was kind of my first experience with inner healing. To me, I have come to feel like, uh, inner healing is fulfilling what Matthew 11 says about come to me and I will give you rest. And the Lord is saying, come to him directly. You know, he has created us you know, he has gifted us with certain, um, talents and things that he wants to do in us and use us for, and only he gets to tell us who we are. So I will tease like a little story later. I want to share about um, a time recently when I had an experience like this. And if you, I remember Kevin on previous episodes of the podcast that you mentioned a couple of times, you had an inner healing experience and it's just different when the Lord is the one speaking to you about, you know, the roots of sin that we have in our hearts and you bring the wounds that you're carrying to him. He knows where those began and he can through the spirit share with us the lies that we're believing and he can speak the truth to us of who we are.
0: Thank you, Shannon. I, I'm curious to to know when we talk about going to the Lord. Can we flesh that out a little bit more? I know that Kevin has referenced that uh, those stories uh, in in some previous episodes. What does that mean to you? If somebody's like like, how do you go to the Lord? You know, I open the Bible. Do I pray and sit? What does that What does that look like?
3: Well, we have the Holy spirit in us when we have accepted Jesus. And so therefore we have God with us at all times. So sometimes I do think it looks like opening the Bible and, you know, doing some personal study, but anytime, anywhere, when you start to feel, um, a strong emotion take hold, then that is the time to stop and pray, ask the Lord, what is this? you know where is this coming from what do you want to say to me about this and just ask for his guidance and invite him into that space for him to reveal to us what he wants to you know he might have something to say to us that we had no idea and didn't anticipate so it just really looks like asking him
2: yeah and i was going to add too um from the book I Will Give You Rest by Edward Careth. He says, emotions are like a alarm system. So whenever you have a negative emotion, it is telling you that there's something that needs to be attended to in your heart. And so that is something that I didn't really understand growing up. Just in my adult life, have I started to learn what it is to actually process emotions? And so that's part of inner healing as well to say, why did I have such a strong reaction to this? Okay, Lord, show me in my heart where I need to repent, where I need to forgive somebody, where I need to, where I've judged somebody, whatever it is, um, is coming to him, stopping and praying and letting him speak truth into your heart.
3: I think
1: that's really, really good. Thank you both for, you know, those those kind of synopsis of what inner healing prayer is. And, you know, I, one of the things that I've been saying for a while now is I think we're really bad at knowing how we feel. I think that we, and we're, and we're even worse at expressing it if we do, you know, so I think that there's this, this part of understanding what's going on internally and letting the Lord heal those places of broken emotions and, um, you know, and the wounds that those emotions are coming from and giving us clarity in how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about him. Because that to me is, is the most important thing when he's talking, when we, when we think about God communicating our identity to us, that's what inner healing is. He's, he's bestowing his identity of who he designed us to be. And he's saying, this is how I want you. This is the place that I want you to live from the gifts that I've given you combined with the power of my spirit are going to set you on a path where you will have, you have no idea what I can use you to do on this earth because of, of my very specific design for you. However, the enemy's been working from you know the beginning of our lives to weave this lie or set of lies into how we see ourselves when we look in the mirror and, and to distort what we feel about things and to confuse about who we are. And so inner healing is about allowing the Father to speak the truth of who we are. This is my perspective, and I think this is what y'all are saying just like he did to jesus in matthew 4 when jesus comes out of the water and he says you are my son whom i love in him and you i am well pleased right like that is that's that's the same thing that he wants to communicate to us and so that these prayer times these inner healing prayer times are a chance for us to do that
3: kevin to your point um and something stacy mentioned historically. We tend to view emotions as something, not all emotions. Let me correct that. But we tend to view emotions as either bad or good. You know, anger is bad, sadness is bad, anxiety is bad, happiness is good, and joy is good, peace is good. But actually, as Stacey mentioned, all emotions can reveal something to us. So when we're experiencing an uncomfortable emotion like anger or anxiety, that's the opportunity, that's kind of the signal. Um, as Stacy mentioned, to take a minute and stop and really dig into that. And I think what we tend to do is just turn it off or distract it away, or, you know, go to a friend and talk to a friend and try to work through that. But when we take those to the Lord, that's when He really gets the opportunity to do a work in us.
2: And what I've learned through studying the Enneagram as well is that, A lot of people do that. A lot of people just kind of brush their emotions under the rug. They don't realize they have them. But then there are also types that do want to sit in that emotion or do really have a good grasp on their emotions. And maybe they've been shamed their whole lives that they have so many emotions, but we haven't all learned how to navigate them and how to process them in a fruitful way.
0: So what I'm hearing you guys say is that as I'm going through my day, I may have experiences where there's some kind of emotional response, some kind of reaction to it. And the more aware I am of those responses, the better. (laughs) And then to move towards, uh, like, take that, take those feelings and take those to the Lord uh, in kind of an open-handed way and say, what what are you saying to me here what do i need to know about what's going on and about who i am through this and that somehow the lord is going to speak into that moment and as kevin was saying it will be probably identity based and i guess one thing i'm wondering for for people that may not have practiced this before is um is it Should they have any expectation about how that message comes across or should they just be wide open to whatever, however God wants to interact with them?
3: I would say the expectation is that God will respond. We know that he hears us and he invites us to come to him and we can trust that he wants to heal us. That is his desire. And we're cooperating with him when we come to him and ask this of him.
2: I would also add that as we come to him, he will always meet us where we are. You know, in the story of Lazarus, when he died, Jesus met Martha in her frustration with him. And he didn't rebuke her in that. He met her in that and he comforted her in that. And then he came and met Mary in her sadness and in her grief and in her emotion. And he didn't rebuke her for that. He met her there in that. So if, I think it goes back to our view of Jesus and who he is and also healing not only our identity, but who we see Jesus as. He's not critical. He's not condemning. He is there to meet us where we are and to love us and to sanctify us and that part of that is just being in his presence and letting him speak that into us
0: you guys find it helpful to do that on your own or with other people or how do how do you like to practice it
3: um i was just going to add something real quick about how he could speak to us um, sometimes you know you might see a picture like a vision in your mind. Sometimes you might feel or think of a word that comes to mind. Um one thing about the voice of the Lord is it's never condemning. And so if you're hearing a voice of condemnation, then you can know that is not from the Lord, because in Romans eight it says that there is no more condemnation. Um, and so, Paul, to answer your question, you know you can do it. I would say it's very powerful when you have a spiritual partner that you are praying with and you are kind of going through that process together, but you can also just do it by yourself. You know, when you're having an experience, you know, last time I shared on the podcast about uh, the experience with my dad, and that was just me and the Lord, you know, sitting and, you know, Kevin, I don't know about the times that you've had that experience, you know, if you were by yourself, but, um, as you mentioned, I think both times there was kind of a picture or an imagery involved in your experience. So I don't want to, you know, put God in a box and say, it's always going to look like this. I just think like you mentioned, Paul, just kind of an openness to what he wants to say.
2: I just want to add to one more thing about inner healing as a whole is that an Enneagram as well, you know, we get caught up in doing work or doing inner work, self-work, and it's all about willpower, right? How many times have you told yourself you're not going to eat that last cookie or whatever it is? We tell ourselves, we make ourselves promises, we break them continually because willpower um, in our flesh, we are weak, right? And so what we're doing when we um, go to the Lord for inner healing is we're, we're tapping into the spiritual realm of freedom. We're we're saying, I'm not just going to do better. I'm not just going to try to be, I'm not trying to do things perfectly. The Bible says that we are to be perfect as Jesus is perfect. And so what we're doing when we do inner healing prayer is we are saying, okay, Lord, show me these issues in my heart so that I can be perfect as you are perfect. And I can find that, that root, you know, cause root yields fruit. So if you're having these, um, these issues in your life, these cyclical sins, like we talked about last time, they go back to a root. And so we're not going to just break the habit without pulling up that root. And so maybe that root is a judgment we've made towards somebody or a sin that we need to repent of, or it could be, you know, the, that's what the Lord is there to show you it's that's between you and him. And so it's taking, that work that we try to do, the willpower and saying, you know what, I surrender that. It's got to be the Holy Spirit to come in me and, and refine that part of my heart so that he can fill it. And then we can produce the Lord, the Lord can produce the, the fruit of the spirit in my heart.
1: We want to take a moment and thank Wellspring Process Groups for sponsoring today's episode. Wellspring is an initiative Paul launched at the beginning of 2021 that provides people with a safe place to process the experiences they're facing in life. Whether you're going through challenges or transitions, or if you need a safe group of people to share life with for a season, we invite you to join a Wellspring process group. I've been in one of these groups and it's been a life-changing experience for me. I encourage you to go to the show notes right now and contact Wellspring to find out when you can join a process group for yourself. Yeah, so Stacy, you know, that makes me think about so many of the different times that I feel like the Lord has um met me in places that I needed to hear truth. And um Shannon, to to answer that question you just posed earlier, yeah, it was both with people in an in inner healing prayer session. There were three other people there. Um, and then also individually, you know, where he's he's spoken those things to me. Um, So I think he does both in in both contexts with people and individually with him. Um, But, you know, it makes me think about just the fact that the Lord wants to let us, he wants to set us free. He wants to let us know who we are. It's not like we have this formula if we use inner healing prayer or, or, I mean, it's not new, it's just different wording, right? There's not a formula with the Enneagram. There's not a formula with counseling. There's no path that's going to say, this is the way that God's going to communicate with us about our identity or about who we are. There are lots of different paths. And I think the Lord uses each of our contexts to do that, which is why using tools like the Enneagram in conjunction with Inner healing can be so powerful. It's not the only way, but it sure is a powerful way. And you talked about us understanding some of these uh, fears, you know, in conjunction with the truth. And I, I'm curious, do you mind, Stacy, just maybe giving us a, an overview of um, some of the fears that are associated with the numbers?
2: Yeah, and I will kind of go through each one and I can go through the core fear, the desire and kind of the message that each type got as a child or at a young age that forms these coping mechanisms that we call our personality. And I'll start with the, um, I start with eight, nine and one because I start with triads. So there are three triads um, in the Enneagram and that's basically where the gut triad is Um, basically our default operation eight nines and ones uh, default operating out of their gut and anger and that type of thing twos threes and fours are we call the heart triad and they um, try to fill a void with of shame in their life constantly and then there's five six and seven and we call those the head types and they deal a lot with fear and anxiety okay so I will start with the type eight since you're an eight Kevin and So am I, we can probably resonate with a lot of this. Here we go. All right. So the basic fear of an eight, you don't want to be harmed. You don't want to be controlled. You don't want to be put in a box. You want Mm -hmm. freedom and you want to be able to make your own agenda, make your own rules. And a lot of the times you think, you know, the best way to get things done, the most efficient way. And so, right but that all comes stems from a desire to protect ourselves, right? Um, We all, all apes have armor on because at some point in our childhood, we were told that it's not okay to feel vulnerable or to trust anybody. So we put armor on and we try to protect that.
1: So that, that's something that's interesting to me, you know, and we could talk all day about this, but like, you know, I don't have anything specifically in my childhood, like a great big childhood wound that I've been able to identify that. Cause I know that a lot of eights have, you know, some, some type of pretty significant trauma in their past. And, um, and I don't have that. And I've, I've looked, I've tried to go on a pretty deep dive, but I still really identify with an eight, you know, with the core fears. So, um, so that's something that's interesting to me is like this, it, it's hard for me sometimes because I don't really have a reason that I know of specifically. It's probably a, a lot of little reasons why I feel the need to protect myself. And I it, I struggle with, you know, typing, getting typed as an eight when I don't fit all the criteria.
2: Well, and that's something a lot of eights struggle with, especially eight is a very big personality and when you say you're when when I say I'm an eight to people it's like whoa okay I didn't know that about you you know it's it comes with a lot um, of stereotypes that come with it right and so like any number we all have very different lived experiences we have very different upbringings and there's you know we all have our own flavor of each number so you're not going to meet the criteria of any one number you're not gonna meet all the criteria all the descriptors that's not how the enneagram is supposed to work we actually all have all nine types in us we just lead with one most of the time so saying all that i do believe it's little instances can make up your childhood message right So it's you operating out of some kind of way that you don't, you lost trust in your authority figures at some point, whether that was, you thought you could do it better. I mean, it could be anything like that. And there's a lot of trauma that does happen with eights when you go back to their childhood. Um, But there's also what we call trauma B, where you, maybe it's something you missed, Maybe it was something that you weren't told, not something you were told. And so that could also over time create these coping mechanisms that align mostly with the eight.
0: I just want to make it clear. So you're saying, Stacey, that you don't have all the issues that Kevin has.
2: Very, very much less. I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) See, and now, you know, now I just want to hide and not be vulnerable again. So thanks, guys. No. So let's can we just talk for a minute? I don't want to spend all the time on the eight, although I kind of do because I, I love this stuff. Um. Can we can we talk about the fear again? Can you kind of revisit yeah. that?
2: Yeah. So the fear is being harmed or controlled, taken advantage of. So if there was like a moment or several moments over your childhood where you felt you were vulnerable, that you put your heart out there and someone misused that, anything. I mean, that could that could be severe trauma to you wanting to, you know, hold a caregiver's hand and they did, whatever it is, that can translate in each of our minds differently. And that can build the wall that we have around our heart as an eight.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, if you if you go back and listen to my story in episode three, there's definitely some echoes of that early on, you know, some things that I said out of innocence that um were taken inappropriately and and I was treated differently because of that. So I I could definitely see that. And and so like in terms of identity, what what are eights typically looking for as they're trying to listen for this is who I am.
2: Yeah. eights want to hear their inner child. So go back to like little Kevin, not grown up Kevin, seeing little Kevin, like put yourself in your shoes as an eight-year-old kid or whatever age you wanted to hear. I will not be betrayed. You will not be betrayed.
1: You're trying to make me cry.
2: Hey, that's the Holy Spirit's work, not mine,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that to to this day, I think that there's this protect this need for protection against betrayal and 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 wanting to hear in relationship with others that you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. you know i i've I've been saying for a while now, I think that we're all asking. One question or some version of it and that is if you really knew me would you love me and accept me and our greatest fear is the answer is no but what what our hearts long to hear is yes and so that question comes directly from betrayal for me you know that that's the flavor of it that I hear it from and so I think that makes a lot of sense to me
3: Kevin, something that also connected um, in regard to something you shared, I thought was interesting was AIDS when I feel powerful, like they're the protectors. And, you know, that one experience you had with the superhero that really seemed to resonate with you being a strong, powerful, able to protect, standing up for the, you know, the innocent kind of thing.
2: Well, and that goes back to, sorry to interrupt, that goes back to the... In the heart that we're trying to protect, we resonate with vulnerable, we we resonate with um, people that we feel have been taken advantage of the underdog. And so that is our core longing that we don't want them to be betrayed because we were betrayed as children. Mm And when you're going back, looking at your childhood and asking the Lord to show you these, I think it's important to also know that denial is a big piece of an eight. So we deny anything that we see as weak or that could make us vulnerable. So going back, like at first I felt, I was like, this is stupid. Like I was just a kid, like this feels so dumb. And so I had to really get over that and ask the Lord to show me why I feel weak or stupid when I'm going through some of these emotions, because those are all lies of the enemy too. So that's part of that denial piece. And um, also us connecting with the vulnerable.
1: Stacy, just one more question then. You know, I know we we don't have time to spend camp on every one of these like this, but um, what what do what do eights typically do in times of stress? You know, how do, how is it that their that their core fears play out when they are feeling like they're going to get betrayed when they are kind of living out of that shadow self? Where do they go?
2: I can speak from experience, and maybe you can relate with this. I get a visceral feeling throughout my body of I need to pull back. So in stress, if I feel like I put myself out there or if there's a relationship stressed, I kind of pull back. Not I'm not talking about conflict. Conflict I don't feel as stress. You know, that's that's a whole different area. Each number sees stress as something else. But I pull back and you go to the low side of 5 typically and we can I mean that's a whole you know, other podcasts is the stress and growth eras and everything, but eights typically go to five. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I go to stress, I think knowledge is power. I want to know all the details. I want to be able to have all the answers. I want to, you know, I always have seen wisdom as powerful, which Goes back like we talked about last week to Eve in the garden. I would have done the same thing because I would be like, "Yes, I want to know all the things. I want to have all the wisdom." So I, I think that's how eights try to grasp for power when they, when what they typically do as their coping mechanisms aren't working, they go to that.
1: So yeah, my my retreat is to get on top of it with some type of protective knowledge like you know if i feel like i'm going to be affronted with something i will i will stay up all night researching you know getting i mean looking at legal documents if i have to
2: 100%, i don't ever want to be caught off guard in that if i yes i want exactly. to know yes
1: absolutely. So, or it's either that for me, or if I feel like that's not possible, then I, then my next level is escape or just totally checking out, finding ways to just disconnect and check out.
2: Well, and those and, are both fives: as disengage and do all the research and have all the knowledge. Right.
1: Right. So one more thing, is there a thing with eights and hobbies, like bouncing to hobbies and throwing themselves all in? Cause that is something that I am terrible so about. Eight-
2: So, and this is another aspect of Enneagram. Each one has a vice. Eights is lust. And that just doesn't necessarily mean sexual lust. It means a lust for life. So you want to experience all the things and you want to go big or go home. So you don't want to miss out on any part of life that you think would bring enjoyment. So, yeah, there's a thing there. (laughs) That's
1: amazing because. My latest thing is coffee roasting, which I used to do, and I've come back to it, so we'll, we can talk more about that later. You can ask
2: my husband when I jumped full force in Enneagram as my hobby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I get it, too. I'm not even an Enneagram coach, and I spent, like, weeks just consuming it.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's what
1: I do,
0: so. Kevin, whenever my wife heard that you were roasting coffee again, she was like, "Oh, I thought he was collecting tools and selling them. I was like, No. No, that, that was last year. <laughs> That's so true, isn't it? Or Based it's a squirrel.
1: You know, saving a squirrel, or I mean, it could be no. anything. There's always something.
0: Sanitarian stuff. or or whatever. Yeah. So what about I, I, I have to move us on because are we going to seven or nine No, next?
2: we're going to you, Paul. We're going to Yay.
3: nine.
2: Okay. So I don't lean much into my nine wing very often but i do a little so you have to tell me you know the enneagram can give us this on paper but you're the lived experience of it so yeah it's it's a shame
0: that. that you don't lean that way more but it's okay we can work with that
2: i'm proud of you for saying that and asserting yourself okay so the basic fear of the nines is separation and conflict so you don't want to say anything or do anything that's going to ruffle anybody's feathers you want peace, you want stability. And you bring that, I want to hear everybody out kind of energy that you don't want anybody to feel like their voice doesn't matter. But in turn, you have told yourself that your own voice, or you haven't gotten the message that your voice, your opinion doesn't matter. And it's not okay to assert yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, because even when we talk before each episode, I'm like, well, how will people receive this? We need to think about this. <laughs> In fact, we just had that conversation about an hour ago. So, <laughs> and yeah, because I'm I'm thinking of it not just from part of it is I I really I do care about everybody listening and receiving being able to receive and to get over hurdles, but also, you know, when it when I think about people getting upset about something, um, I I tend. I, have al- always tended to shy away from that conflict avoidance as some would say. So that's a major growth area for me is to be able to enter into conflict. And I guess what you're saying is it's because I'm afraid of a loss of relationship or that well, I don't matter or something.
2: Yeah, and that's where and you can go to the Lord and ask him where did I get this message that it's not okay to assert myself? Where did I get the message that my opinion doesn't matter? And where did I get the message that I have to make the peace here? Because you have taken that role on your shoulders that was never meant to be yours.
3: Paul, mm. well, I just wanna say, um, as someone who's known you for 20 plus years, yeah. I've really gotten to see this at work in our you know, group of friends and other circumstances where you have such a gift to see all the different perspectives and just to make sure that everyone is, you know, considering all the different sides. So I I I'd love getting to hear more about the nine because, you know, if there's other nines out there that are wondering, I've seen, you know, you grow in this area a lot, but there could be other nines out there that are still feeling that, that sense of, should I speak up? Is my voice valuable? You know, that could really be encouraged from hearing this particular conversation about the nine.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't know if you guys are like this, but even even delving into this and learning about it and growing in it, there are days uh, in maybe weeks sometime where um, I very much am believing or seriously concerned that I don't matter or my voice doesn't matter. Th- those core messages are right, Right back in in front of my face, and I am uh, I'm I'm having to face those down. And I know y'all are saying, "Well, go to the Lord with that," but it's it's a it's a scary sort of uh, moment to feel like N- not just scary. It, it's I I think there's a deep sadness connected with that. Um, the idea that somebody does is not valuable. That that I'm not valuable. That I don't matter. If you really believe that that like there you're just walking around with this deep sense of sadness that um, I'm not important to the world. And I need, I need that reinforced.
3: And that just makes me think about, you know, this whole conversation from our last podcast, also the importance of going to the Lord to hear our identity from him, because the world is mean and we have an enemy that out there that's out there wanting you to believe that wanting you to embrace. And every time somebody's made you feel that way, It just chalks it up one more reason why you knew you didn't matter and your voice doesn't matter, but it's so important that we hear who we are from the Lord and he can remind us of who he made you to be and that you have something to bring to the kingdom.
1: So one of the things that I think is important to highlight here is that when we talk about these core fears, Specifically, Paul, like I don't matter. And this comes out in counseling a lot. One of the things that we have to remember about people in general is when we're asking them to step into handling or managing that fear, doing what they need to to grow in that space, it's kind of like asking somebody who's almost drowned to jump in in deep water. You know, the everything in their body tells them no, everything in their heart and mind says no, this is not safe. And that's why I've avoided swimming for my entire life. So I think I just wanted to make sure that we we really like put that in perspective for people. That for you, Paul, what you're saying is like to 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 not matter, and to like really hear something different, or believe something different, or live from a different place than that is um, is really scary work. And so I I'm interested to hear more about you know, kind of how this plays out. I'm also interested to hear about conflict avoidance with not mattering.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Kevin, because when you said that, Paul, earlier, I was thinking the same thing. When we're talking about inner healing prayer, and especially, you know, going back to your core fears, and these things that we've operated out of our whole lives, basically, it's messy and it's hard and it's scary. And I just want people to know that we don't take this lightly. And we're not saying this is like going to take another personality test and figure this out. This is this the enemy does not want this to happen. You know, our pastor said this week, it's not like the enemy is like tiptoeing around your house, trying to like ruffle your feathers and just make you have a bad day. No, he is trying to cut your head off and serve it on a silver platter. He does not want you to survive. And so He doesn't want this work to happen. He's going to do everything in his power to pull us away from from having this freedom because he doesn't want us to step into who God created us to be without all all these other sins and anything that easily entangles us that keeps us from running the race.
0: You know, I appreciate also that uh, something Shannon was saying is that there's there's the weaknesses and then there's the strengths and sometimes those are it, it could be the same thing in in both situations but it's just the motivation of what's happening inside me, um, but the same voice that might be or the same part of me that might be conflict avoidant could also be uh, motivated to bring people together and to hear different voices and to care about that and it's just I think that's and so it really does come down to the the motive of how am I operating out of this personality that, that God, that, that I have um, some of which I think I, I have been created with some of which is formed through the experiences that have happened to me over time. And, you know, am I operating out of fear or am I, am I operating because uh, out of conviction of, of what is good and right? And that, that takes a lot of work to sometimes figure that out. But um, I just, just highlighting that, there's good and bad in both. And that's one of the strengths, I think, of the Enneagram is that it gives you that op- opportunity to, to have a robust view of uh, the good and bad motives going on inside you.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that too. In the book, I Will Give You Rest that we've been mentioning, he talks a lot about the treasure inside and how as we grow up, we um, we build walls around this treasure and kind of bury it. And we our coping mechanisms kind of um push it to the side. And so when you talk about a nine hearing all the sides, that's like the superpower of the nine. That's the gifting that God has put you innately. and and He's given you this ability to do that. and and that's what I love about the Enneagram too, is that we can see the shadow side and we can see like it brings up all the hurt and all the pain. But that's to get to this treasure that we have of what God wants us to bring to him. You know, each type reflects God in a different way. And the nine reflects the peace of God. You know, he came to create peace between us, Jesus and God. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross and rose again and pursues us so that we can have peace with him. And that's the part of the nine. I mean, that's the part of God that the nine reflects so beautifully we want to move on to type one.
0: Yes. Let's go to one.
2: All right. So ones are afraid of being corrupt and evil. They're afraid of being defective they They desire, um, basically to be good. And so not, ones have this constant inner critic, something, someone that's always a voice, always telling them how bad they are, how, um, how defective they are what they did wrong what they could have done better and they heard as a child that it's not okay to make mistakes so they live in this constant state of trying to perfect themselves that is just draining
1: yeah I've I've actually worked with some people who identify as ones and um, and that inner critic is just really mean a lot of times just constantly a bombardment of where you're missing the mark or doing things wrong or you know, I mean, just just weighs really heavy. And it's it's sort of like this nonstop monologue from uh from that inner self. And that, you know, that is so burdensome for them to carry, you know, to feel like they have to be doing it right, but always hearing where they're doing it wrong. And so one of the ways that I have, um, have seen them end up kind of dispelling that is to be critical of others. You know, it's, it's sort of like, and, and, and in a way that they're not even aware they're being critical of others. They just, it's, it flows out naturally because it's happening so much inwardly. So um, this has this gotta be a, an internal hell of some sort to really be constantly bombarded with that criticism.
3: Yeah, this is really resonating with me because as a seven, I go to a one in stress. And I mean, if you listen to the last podcast, I shared how I have that inner critic voice. That's that exact thing. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong, you know? And so I, again, going back to the inner healing, you know, it's, that is not the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is not a critic. He's not a condemner. That's the voice of the enemy. So to get with the Lord and ask him to show you what is, what is your inner critic saying, you know, and then Lord, please tell me, what is the truth? You know, he needs to replace that voice with his voice about who we are.
2: Yeah. I've heard so many ones say that they have confused the voice of the critic with the Holy spirit convicting them with something. And I just say that exactly what you said, Shannon that the Holy Spirit is not going to talk to you in a condemning way like that. The Holy Spirit invites you with kindness to repentance. And that's the difference there. And so I just encourage ones to ask the Lord to show them why they think it's not okay to make mistakes and why they feel the burden of perfecting themselves and the world around them. Because, like you said, Kevin, they sometimes project it on other people. And that's because they have the superpower of just seeing how thing, how good things can be and how perfect things can be. And so, um, you know, they, they long to hear that they are good. And so just resting in that God created them in his image. And he said that it was that they are good and resting in that truth and hearing him say it, you know, I can say it all day long, but to hear the father say it to you is more powerful.
1: Yeah, and that, and that's where i think it could get tricky for ones is to to hear the lord say you're good because it because if we're talking about splitting hairs of truth it's like but i'm not good what about this where what, what about where i missed the mark here where about what about where i made this mistake i'm not good and so there's an easy quick defense against that that there's a, a mountain of evidence behind me that says no i didn't do it right here so I'm not good. And I think goodness goes in this case, what the Lord would be speaking is more about identity. I created good in you to that things that I delight in that I would I would say I love this in you. And yet um, you're looking at rightness as equaling goodness. Is that is that do you do you think that's accurate?
2: I do think that's accurate because he did create us in his image. So we have part of his image in us and that is the good. I also say that if you're in Jesus, then you are righteous. And when, when God looks down on you, he sees his son and he sees what Jesus is doing in you. And that is good. And so clinging onto that part of your identity and the, you know, I always say people are all we're all consumed with ourselves we're either cocky or we're self-critical right and so ones the you might not be you know thinking that you're you know they're saying they don't want to be prideful they don't want to put themselves on a pedestal but the more critical you are of yourself you're still constantly thinking of self right that's how the enemy can keep us you know in that in that trap of just i'm not good enough for this i, I shouldn't speak up about that when no you are called to step into this or to step into that. And God has equipped you for this. Stop saying that you're not good enough or you're not this, or you're not that enough. That's that. Those are the lies of the enemy.
0: That's a really good description. I think for ones, and I think it, it's a difficult, but, but good invitation for them to practice that discernment. I I feel like you really need other people around you to help test that voice um, with them. What about, uh, um, What about some of the further numbers, like
2: three? Yeah, we can go on to type two. This is the helper. Um, Can't
1: wait to hear this one. This is my wife.
2: So now we're getting into the heart triad. So these are people that see life through feelings and relationships, and they try to fill this emotional void in their lives with some sort of way. For the two, they try to fill it by being helpful, and they want to be helpful because they want to feel loved and wanted. And that's their fear is being unwanted, unworthy. Their desire is to be loved. And they heard the message that it's not okay to have your own needs. Does that Sometimes sound I do
3: think I'm a two.
0: Is it not know. okay for you? It's not okay for you to need?
3: I don't like to be needy. I don't like asking for help, but I like, I'll give help, but I don't want to have to need help.
1: I think that's where this get, gets so interesting is like sometimes I hear different numbers and I'm like oh maybe that's me maybe I typed myself wrong you know but I do know that like with my wife who she would say clearly I'm a two um she is, she knows it's a it's a superpower like you've used for other descriptions to know when to step in and help somewhere like I, I mean, I'll be looking around, twiddling my thumbs, thinking, nobody needs me here. I'm or they got it all covered. And I and it's not like a nine, I'm not needed. It's just like, hey, I don't, you know, there's nothing for me to do here, right? And she she will find something to do. She'll start like taking trash out or something. And I'm like, I didn't even think about that. You know, it's it's amazing how quickly she can step in and fill a need for people.
2: It's funny you said that because this very morning, my son had a performance at school. And I'm on a group me with a bunch of the moms and one of them is a, a two. And she said, has anybody done anything for the music teacher and this and that? And someone was like, oh, I'm baking cookies. And another one was like, I'm on going through the drive through at Starbucks to get them coffee. And I'm sitting there thinking, "That was I'm a jerk. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I'm like, I'm going to support my kid. That was, I mean, I didn't even think about getting anything for the teachers. And that just goes to show, I'm like, that is why we all need each other because I don't think of that <laughs> that's not on the forefront of my mind.
1: I know I've said about Melissa, my wife that she lives out the things that I like to talk about, you know, like the concepts that I that I pontificate about theologically, she easily and automatically lives it out of who she is. And I that's one of the things that I just am always amazed by and I think that's why we we were we've been such a good pair, you know, for almost 20 years now. Um, But I have watched as she's beat herself up for, for missing places where somebody might have needed her, needed her help or something like that.
0: Isn't it the case as well that a two in, in helping others, but not asking for help or not being willing to can get kind of bitter. Like,
2: yeah i'm glad you brought that up there's like a cycle they go on so they start as like the rescuer and so they want to help the victim right and so they're doing all this to pour into this person and help them and so but that's because they get their identity from it you know they get their identity from and they they want to be needed and wanted and loved but then they get bitter that they haven't gotten thanked or that their favor hadn't been returned. And so then they can get into this, like they can pull back and, and say, I'm not going to help anymore. But that only lasts for so long then they see a need and they, they step in again. And it's kind of this cycle. My sister's a two and we talk about this all the time. She hates that, but she sees that so much in her life um, of just that that constant battle of, Wanting to help, but then checking the motivation behind wanting to be that for other people.
3: I was just going to say for me, when I was trying to type myself, this is kind of where I landed on a seven more is because twos will give to their own expense, you know, whereas me, I feel like I always make sure I'm doing self-care and I'm not going to go beyond my own personal boundary um, of comfort. To extend myself, so I'm selfish, basically.
1: <laughs> Your selfishness tipped you off.
2: You know, yes. boundaries.
3: yeah. What, bound- what?
1: Yeah, you have boundaries. Let's frame think, it. In
3: a yeah, boundaries. That's what I,
2: I think. Spin it.
1: So what? Um, so what is, is it? A What does a two go to in times of stress, and what are they longing to hear? Really, that's probably probably where we need to go.
2: Yeah, twos go to eight in stress so they can become very dominating and when they feel like they're not getting their needs met back in return and that's when it they they can come off more aggressive
1: all right and what are they longing to hear
2: they long to hear that you're wanted and loved for just being you Hmm.
1: I have seen this be a real struggle for for my wife to to know who she is is in relationship without what she does for other people yeah you know and I I mean she if she were on the podcast I'm not telling anybody anything she wouldn't say herself but that you know like she needs to know she needs people to communicate that I love you not because you do all of this awesome stuff for me but because of who you are you know who you are is is something that deeply connects with the kind of person I want to be around and, um, and so she's been tripped up at different times in her life, knowing how to manage that, you know, and, and knowing when to step back, but she's, she's grown so much since the time we first got married. Um, you know, it, it's unbelievable to see how the Lord has used her and, and grown in her, but, uh, but I have seen that be a struggle at times. So that's,
2: But that's awesome that you've seen the growth, like, because we were talking about that is their superpower to see the needs of people and to truly want to meet them and love them in that way. Um, But I do think it's also important for twos to take a step back and ask the Lord, why do I feel like my needs are a burden?
0: So uh, just for time's sake, we're going to, why don't we skip ahead to seven? Because Shannon, I think- is uh finally is seven and what we want to say is if if you're like oh i'm but i'm a, a uh or six um our our <clears throat> desire today was not necessarily to go deep into each number and give you that sort of description but to give you examples of the, the sort of interior work that you can do with tools like the enneagram so what what does it look like to use this to explore your fears and motivations and do that work so um, let me bounce the ball back to Stacy, and, and she can tell us about sevens.
2: Okay. Tell so me
3: about me, Stacey. I
2: know we always have to talk about sevens last because if you talk about them first, they'll leave. They won't hear the rest of it. Checking out.
3: Leave.
1: Well, and if you, if you talked about nines last, they would just think that they didn't matter. And that's why. Yeah, and fear. they're
2: all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. Okay. So type sevens, the enthusiast type sevens fear being deprived or in pain. Um, they want to be satisfied and content and have all their needs met and fulfilled. They heard, um, at an early age, the message that you can't depend on anyone else, that you have to do everything yourself. Um, so tell me how that looks in your life, Shannon, what does that look like for you?
3: Well, it's so funny since the last podcast, I just had this experience. I wanted to share that just relates perfectly with both of these subjects we're talking about. So as a seven um you know kind of one thing that you were talking about is our fears and we have the worst fomo like we don't want to miss anything you know if you go to a restaurant with me i want to make sure we get to try each other's food or you know whatever it may be i just don't want to have to settle on one thing and so i was having and if you guys remember also last time kevin you kind of did some counseling on me about my struggle with comparison so I was having this experience with some friends. I was just feeling really left out and they weren't making me feel left out. I was just noticing them getting closer and it was really bothering me. I was having a lot of anxiety about it. I was, um, you know, thinking about being around them. And I was like, you know, the seven of me was like, well, guess I won't hang out with them anymore. You know? So it's so great for building relationships, but, um, I I sat down with the Lord, you know, as we're kind of talking about, um, I just sat down with him and asked him to speak into this. And it was like a light bulb, you know, he revealed to me that I even in my journal, I was like, Lord, is this a seven thing? And the answer was like, yes, this is because you have such a fear of missing anything that I feel left out, you know, because anything that they're sharing, I'm feeling like, i'm missing it you know and it really hit me with the comparison thing that when i'm comparing myself it's because i'm feeling like i'm missing out on what they have so i think you know that just speaks to how knowing our enneagram number or just knowing ourselves can and then in com- combination with sitting with the lord and allowing him to speak into the wounds that and those emotions that we're feeling it really can lead to healing because when he told me that when the lord revealed that it made perfect sense you know whereas if someone else might've said that to me and it might've been like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll think about it. But whenever the Lord said it, it just literally connected and it went away. Like I was free of it. You know, that anxiety left. I had such peace hanging out with the girls the next time it was not a problem. It was not an issue. And, you know, as we talked about last time, you know, you can really withdraw from people and sever those connections because of fear And so I was just really grateful that the Lord did that inner work.
1: So I, this is, it's so funny because this is, you talked about like, oh, maybe I'm a two Shannon earlier. And I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm a seven because I totally understand this fear of missing out thing. And, you know, even just like the idea of bouncing from one thing to the next and not being trapped. Um, I must be like split down the middle, half eight, half seven, you know. Well, you wing, could be a
3: wing. Yeah. You I know,
1: would. I know. Well, I've got a, I sw- I swim like a a duck. That, with a, broken a, finger,
2: <laughs> a, a healthy broken. bird has two wings, so. That's right.
1: We, I can't fly apparently because I, I have a very huge, you know.
0: You, you need of... to be more like me, and then you'll be <laughs> balanced in life.
3: Embrace your paw. <laughs>
1: But, but Shannon, what you're saying, I think is so interesting where, where I can see a distinction between the two is that, um, I might bail on those relationships. If I feel like people are not including me because I'm afraid that I can't trust them. Um, you know, that in, instead of like, just feeling like, you know, there's this comparison thing going on and they, you know, th- they don't want me around or whatever, because I'm not good enough. That's where I can see the distinction. So, so in those times of, of stress, what do sevens do? Do they typically bounce to a different friendship or friend group? Or what what does that typically look like?
3: Well, sevens and stress go to one. And for me, I just notice I get very, I kind of lose my fun. You know, the seven is about fun. And I just kind of lose the ability to have fun. And I become very rigid and controlling. I want to try to control the situation. And it really, I don't feel like myself in those cases. It really takes my joy away because I can't enjoy the relationship when I'm worried about, you know, comparing or if I'm fear, you know, fear missing out. So that's how it looks for me.
2: Yeah, I think a difference too with the sevens and eights and Shannon, you can speak to this if you agree, um, is that you're more in your head and you operate more out of um, the avoiding fear by reframing things, negative things into positives and having fun times and just being an eternal optimist in that. Um, Whereas eights also want to live life largely in big experiences but we are more gut prone where we react out of our gut and anger is the forefront or large emotions of any kind. So I think that's a difference there. But um, I will also go back to sevens and say sevens really want to hear the message from the Lord that he's taking care of you. Would you say that's true, Shannon?
3: Oh yeah. I could really go down a path on that one because now I'm going to cry. <laughs> Kevin, I'm right there with you No, because being single, that's just one of my things. I'm always like, who's going to take care of me, you know, and the Lord has just shown up time and time again to remind me I'm taking care of you.
2: I love that. That's powerful.
0: Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you, Stacy, for going through those numbers with us and giving us this framework and, um, I, you know, for, for people that are listening, I, a lot of people are aware of the enneagram, uh, and 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 then some people are not. Some people are like, oh, that's just another personality test. I don't want to get into that. I think again, the goal of what we're trying to do is give uh, give some connection here with the type of of tool that the enneagram is for doing that self reflection. Again, that doesn't just stay with us, but it ends up pushing us to the Lord. It pushes us towards others. It helps us connect with others. And and like Shannon, your story is a perfect example of that because if, if you stay in your own head there in your own heart and you listen to that, then you move towards isolation. But in going to the Lord, you experience some freedom from that and that helps you connect. So you go and you're actually able to spend time with those people instead of saying, Oh, I've got to go find a new friendship group, you know? (laughs) Um, or in your story with your dad from, from the last episode, you know, like, oh, I guess I'll never talk to my dad about anything again, you know, and, and instead you're like, no, we connected and now we're closer together. And and so that's, that's the, the, the path that we feel like this offers for people and why it's important to talk about and, and to get into.
1: I just want to thank you, uh, Stacy for doing therapy on us all today. Um, I mean, it's always, it's always enriching to get to have some time to really reflect on yourself. And I I think that is something that's unique about what we're trying to do here is we want to give some vulnerability, you know, as we're processing these numbers so that people understand it as, as a real tool, how, in how we've experienced in our own lives. You know, I think there's a lot of people that will tell their story or, you know, there's some distance to it, but we're kind of, trying to do this more vulnerably in the moment and so I appreciate you stepping in and doing that with us and helping us kind of process some of these things um I think people are going to love it and I think there's going to be some threes fours fives and sixes that are going to be ticked that we didn't go into their numbers and we are very sorry about that Uh, but that just means we're going to have to have Stacy and Shannon back on to talk Uh, at some point, about four, three, fours, fives, and sixes. Um, So anyways, thank you guys for coming on today and, um, and going a second round with us. It's been super fun, super enriching for me. And um, I I just, I've loved it.
3: Yeah. Thank you guys. It's been so fun getting to come back on and just dig into this a little bit deeper. So we'll look forward to the next time.
2: Yeah. Anytime. Let us know. It's fun.
3: Or you can book a session with us too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just... Yeah. So in the show notes that will Paul is going to put in there, um, a link to, to Shannon's counseling practice. Is, do you have a counseling practice?
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> just put our emails. If you want to reach out if, with questions.
0: If you want Shannon to counsel you, we will give you <laughs> Information. Uh, give me, with new give them my home address. She does charge a lot of money, so be prepared.
3: <laughs> I've recently raised my rates.
0: All right, so we're gonna
1: link uh, Shannon's email in this and uh, Stacy's as well, so that you can contact them uh, if you need to get more information from them, or just even, you know, say thank you for telling your stories on here. So, um, and that that's gonna do it for us for today. And I just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today. Uh, Remember to share, like, download, and subscribe so that we can get the word out about our podcast. Uh, Paul and I just appreciate your time and joining us. And we want you to remember, you
0: are not alone. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Our ultimate desire is that each of us opens ourselves to God to find healing and greater understanding of who we've been made to be. Please check out our podcast notes for helpful resources and links. You'll also find an email address there where you can contact us about any topics that you'd be interested in, as well as if you have a story that you'd like to share. Special thanks to Cheyenne Meadors for producing our music And thanks to Wellspring Process Groups for sponsoring this episode. If Creative for Connection has been helpful for you, please drop a review on whichever podcast service you're using. And please share with your friends and anyone you think might appreciate these conversations. We'll see you next time.